and welcome back to this brand new episode of the Silmarillion Film Project. After a bit of a break, we are so happy to be back tonight. Um, it's a beautiful but warm evening out here in Southern California. I hope. I wonder. I'm curious to hear what what it's like uh, with my where my fellow compatriots uh, are. And as usual, that is Corey Olson, the Tolkien professor, and Trish Lambert, the Tolkien Maven. How are y'all this lovely evening? We do kind of have a whole the whole country covered, don't we? Corey's on the we coast. Do. I'm in coast central. Coast to coast. Coast to coast. That's right. How I bet it's warmer the, where you are, Trish. I was going to say, well, how's the summer? Yeah. How's the like tail end of the summer treating y'all? Yeah, yeah. It, it actually we're starting to get um, the end of day, you know, thunderclouds. Like we uh-huh. went through like July and August with none of that, zip, nothing, and now it's kind of like there. That's happening, which I think is a precursor to fall. That's what I choose to believe. Gotcha. Yeah, we actually have the uh, leaves are starting to change here. Whoa. Uh, here in New Hampshire. So, yeah, I was just seeing my first uh, yeah, yellows and oranges. The swamp maples, which are always the first to go, are starting to turn red. So it's it's actually like legitimately creeping towards fall here in New Hampshire. So Wow, fall, something, I, yeah. a concept I'm no longer familiar with. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, genuinely autumn. It's my favorite thing about living in New England, um, not just fall, but like seasons. Like we have yeah. – Four legitimate seasons, just like you always had in the children's picture books, you know, so right. it's, but you know, uh, it's nice. It's also relative because I spent like two years living on a sailboat down the tropics and in the tropics. All you have is wet season, dry season, and the sun right. rises at six and sets at six every day of the year. And so I moved back <laughs> to San Diego where I had lived for years and I moved out to San Diego and I'm like, I said to somebody, God, it's so great to be back where there's seasons. Completely a lost perspective. So it's all That's relative, true. you know? It is relative. <laughs> true. True. So uh, we're here, as always, to, to actually discuss the Silmarillion. Yeah, we thought we would here tonight. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah, we're kind of easing into it. We're getting towards the end of the season. So uh, tonight we're planning to discuss episodes 11 and 12. Uh, we resolved a bunch of our dragon questions last time. We talked a lot about Glaurung uh, in the previous episode. Uh, and uh, we're now here to uh, talk about some uh, a couple of the one or two plot I- sort of larger plot issues or, or sort of, um, you know, adaptation questions. Um, but then specifically trying to work through how we um, how we go through the the, the stuff that, that we want to cover in episodes 11 and 12. If you remember, and this was a long in real time, of course, for the people who are listening on the podcast stream, they're like, it was just the previous episode. What are you talking about? But um, for us, it was like a five weeks ago or something that we talked about episode 10, which is when we we had the visions from Olmo to Turgon and Finrod, right? So that's what we're immediately following up on. Episode 11 is when the two of them, Turgon and Fingon, begin to make their plan, or Finrod, rather, sorry, uh, begin to make their plans about, um, you know, wh- what are we going to do about this uh, whole advice of uh, Olmo, you know, this message we received in the dream about uh, building these secret strongholds. So, uh, and of course, we are going to have some serious interpersonal drama in uh, Doriath involving the episode in which I think that episode 11 might be, I hesitate to say this because it's a little bit pitiful, but it might be the, like the high point, the heroic high point of Celeborn's entire life. 
Trying to think of when Kellborn is going to do anything more spectacular than he's going to do in this episode. And that is stand up to Thingol, who's still all mad about the band, and be like, not only am I not back, and not only am I not sorry that I didn't tell you about the kinslaying, but I'm going to marry the girl. So there, King Thingol, like, you know. And that's it. Like that, you know, he's going to take a stand and he's going to stand up for Galadriel and it's going to be great. And then he's going to be living in her shadow for, you know, millennia and millennia to come. Uh, but this is his moment. But this it could be okay with him. You know, now he can go, now he can go start a garden and just. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, a, it's a, a long coast towards retirement from here. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it is interesting actually, because. He is the one that stays behind, right? Yeah. I mean, he stays yeah. behind at the end and takes over Rivendell. So it's like maybe uh, he eventually did kind of get tired of, like, just being in the shadow. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, you sort of think if there is an elf in Middle Earth who's like, all right, you know, I'm really kind of done with this. I'm kind of bored. I know. I'm not going to lie. Right? Ready to move on somewhere. And you totally would think when his wife goes, I mean, he's been, like, joined at the hip with her, right? And he doesn't. Right go with her that's very odd so well you know but he since daddy chooses a little space for himself as you say you know um uh so good oh hang on a second oh can't hear you in twitch dave yeah, and I, we can take another day okay hang on a second i gotta fix that again see this is so what that, happens when you want to get so, when you so want to get all techy yeah. does that mean there was just like a long pause followed by trish and me cackling <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's exactly what was what they're hearing yeah yeah that, that. Uh, oh man, you guys missed a good joke too. I tweeted it, so yeah. I'm having mic issues. My mic is like semi dead. Well, so so you know, while he's doing that, I mean, I I still feel for Caliborn. Maybe it's maybe it's my love of the underdog. I don't know. Poor guy. I know oh, he's great. You know, there's <laughs> more we can do. There's more we can do. You know, we can definitely make it True. happen. Um, but um, well, we do have other stuff coming up. I mean, before the fellowship meets him, so you know, yeah, he could be taking part in some pretty heavy can, duty stuff. We can try to give him some heroic action. Um, well, they're, they're still not hearing me in Twitch. Doggone it! What's going on here? Hang on. Um, it, do, uh, it does raise. Raise <laughs> 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 the adventures of Caliborn and Angrod. <laughs> We'll make a spin-off <laughs> buddy film, right? Yeah. And Bobway, yeah, right. Right. Bobway still is alive. He's my he's my uh, storage elf on Lotro. There you go. Does he stick around in Rivendell? Who, Bobway? Yeah, after everybody's left. He's lost, isn't he? I mean, didn't we like lost him? He probably should. Maybe he's maybe he's always been like maybe he was the pointing elf or something. You know, that nobody actually knew yes. it was Bobway. I like that. I like that idea. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Am I am I audible now? I think so. Looks like I got it. Good. Okay. Now they can't hear right. us, probably, right? Y'all can hear me? No, they can hear you. I just didn't. I was trying not to mess with that. <laughs> no? Anything? Hang on a second. I want to look at the actual Can anybody hear me. Corey on Twitch? Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> okay. Good now. All right. Dave and okay. I. You owe me a Coke, Dave. Yep. All right, cool. Excellent. 
Very good. Yeah, no, we're all audible. Yeah, we're all good on webinar. It's a complicated scenario there. But okay, all right. That is all set now. So, um, and Marie's here, thank God. And Marie's here. Yeah, actually, really, I was just killing time until Marie arrived. So, <laughs> no, I was just kidding. Okay. Phew. All right. Sorry. Thank you for being patient during those technical issues. And um, uh, not good. So, uh, but before we get to, before we get too far going and uh, make more fun of Kelborn than we already have, um, just a few quick announcements, mostly moot related. So, um, we have. Um, Two upcoming moots. We've got New England moot, which is our first ever New England moot, finally. And that is happening on September 29th, Sunday, September 29th in Amherst, Massachusetts. Uh, so that is going to be uh, just a couple weeks uh, from now. Uh, so that's uh, uh, going to be really exciting. I can't wait to get together uh, with folks from up here in this region. Um, and then Middle Moot, our third Middle Moot, is going to be on Saturday, October 12th, out in Waterloo, Iowa, again, like the first one was. Uh, and uh, both of those, the registration is open. The registration will remain open for New England Moot pretty much until the day of the event. But if you want to make sure you get lunch, you need to register at least three days in advance. So, um, uh, But do uh, go, go ahead and register for that. Um, the uh, schedule is now posted on the Middle Moot page. Uh, so that's uh, uh, that's very very handy. We have several things also that are coming up. We've got a, 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 some other moots. Magnolia moot is in fact happening. Um, uh, we don't have a, a firm date for that yet, but it's either going to be the last Saturday of October or the first Saturday of November. So uh, that's the area. Uh, it, it'll be down in uh, in the Charlotte, North Carolina region again as well. Um, so that's going to be fun. And then we're, we're actually, before we do LA Moot, we're going to do Bay Moot. Bay Moot is shifting. It was in August last year. It's going to be in November this year. And we're looking most likely uh, towards the end of November. So like the, the weekend before Thanksgiving is the one that we're looking at probably uh, for Bay Moot. We will be confirming those things as soon as we have very definite information there. Um, but uh, we're getting closer all the time on, the, on uh, confirming those two things. LA moot we're looking at the end of February this year so um, and yep. uh, that one's looking pretty good looking pretty good I'm very excited about that um, and of course text moot text moot is also uh, gonna happen earlier in February so on the 8th of February is when text moots oh gonna be goodness. And, and so we're gonna, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be visiting both of your two states in the month of February this coming year so that's gonna be oh cool. my goodness yeah uh, uh, so Anyway, uh, and one other piece of uh, moot announcement um, is um, that uh, we have some details for MythMoot 7 coming up next June. We have dates, so you can save the date for next MythMoot, uh, which is going to be the 25th through 28th of June next year. So um, those dates are confirmed in the same venue down in Leesburg, Virginia. Uh, so uh, uh, so that's, uh, that is exciting. We have a theme the theme is derived from a quote from the diary of Anne Frank. The theme is defying and defining the darkness. Uh, defying and defining the darkness is the theme of uh, next year's myth move. So 25th through the 28th. <laughs> that seems perfectly timed for the, for just in time for the 2020 election. <laughs> there you go. Boy, that's both of those things. No kidding. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, and uh, so let me just 
Wow. Yeah, here it is. Okay. So if you go to Signum University website down here, of course, where all of our upcoming events are. Um, and just to show you here is our uh, uh, um, the dates for Myth Moot 7. We are definitely doing Mootcast again, so you can plan on that. And also, we have uh, the, the rates are not going to change either. So the, the ticket price is going to be the same for, um, uh, for uh, Myth Moot this year as they were, or next year as they were this year. Uh, so that's the other thing we can announce there. Um, uh, these are the places where you click on to uh, uh, to go to the web pages where you can, as uh, you will see, the link to register for either Middle Moot or for New England Moot. And the last thing, this is a, a thing which was uh, just uh, just announced. Brenton Dickinson, one of our faculty members, uh, is teaching a class on C.S. Lewis. Um, uh, and he's doing an open class session on C.S. Lewis, gender, and C.S. Lewis's books, uh, book, The Four Loves. Um, which is going to be really, really cool. So that's going to be next week, next Tuesday, September 17th at 7 o'clock. So if you want to join in a discussion of uh, 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 C.S. Lewis and C.S. Lewis's definitions of love um, uh, and, uh, and, and, is, and especially thinking about how that relates uh, to gender, some really, uh, some really fun discussion, uh, I think, will be happening there. Um, so that'll be, again, next Tuesday, September 17th at 7 o'clock. And again, the registration link is right there. You can click on that, and that's all... Uh, and that's all that's all uh cool so okay all right that is all right back to um, oh, wait, and the last announcement oh. philip menzies is looking for singers so philip menzies of course is our resident composer he's been composing uh the uh the 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 music for film film since season one and he has some vocal parts that he wants to fill he's got he's he's written music but he needs singers uh so he's asking people to contact him uh, to uh, uh, to actually record some some sung parts, and he can give you more details on that. I've been seeing this happening on Twitter too. So um, you can contact him on Twitter, or you can contact him on the discussion boards as well, uh, and uh, volunteer if you would like to sing as part of the uh, uh, as part of the, the. The thread on the message board is called "Singers Wanted." Singers so Wanted. Easy to spot. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. Back to Caliborn. <laughs> episode 11. Okay, so here are the potential events for this episode. So we've got uh, Finrod going to Doriath and asking, seeking aid from Thingo in response to Almo's dream, and despite the ban. Um, let's hang on to that one. I do. I want to do all the Doriath stuff at the same time. Let's start with Turgon. So Turgon finds Tumladen with Almo's help. So Olmo is going to guide Turgon to the hidden valley of Tumladen so that he can begin his secret construction of Gondolin. Um, we need to, one, so one of the things we need to do here is figure out um, how that happens. How is it indeed that Olmo is going to um, appear to Turgon? Uh, Olmo is gonna appear to Turgon twice more, like not counting the dream that he's just had. Um, he is going to help Turgon find Tumladen, and he is going to show up to tell Turgon to leave the armor and stuff, right? He's got to leave, like, specifications for the armor and stuff and tell him where to go, so that Tuor can find it, right, later on. Um, it, is, it is on Olmo's express instructions uh, that Turgon is going to leave that. Personally, I, and that's not going to happen in this episode, but again, just thinking ahead to that, because we've got to think about how is Olmo going to be interacting with Turgon. I, I have a question. And, you know, I, yeah. I, some of the episodes, especially the most recent ones, I've sort of have left a little early, so I, this may have been covered. But, I mean, is, 
is Olmo just going to show up out of nowhere or are we going to have some backstory and like is there going to be a chat that he has with like mandos or something that explains why he suddenly shows up for these guys or um, have we... i mean it's a little deus ex machina sorry for the <laughs> sorry for yeah the... you know what i mean it's like okay. just, yeah no, like oh it's Olmo. Right. <laughs> i haven't seen you for a while I mean, we didn't now. Okay, so on the one hand, I don't think we need to explain it from the point of view of like Finrod and the Valar and, oh. uh, and Turgon. And Tur no, I'm thinking the other way, the other way around. Right, so right, like okay. Turgon and and Finrod have dreams, right? And they 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 wake up believing that Olmo has revealed this to them. Um, I don't imagine that. I mean. They're not going to treat it casually. They're not going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, like I you know, woke up and I've got, you know, Olmo texted me overnight and I got to get back to him. Like, it's not going to be casual. It's going to be a big deal. But I don't think they're going to be like, dude, what is Olmo's motive? Why is he doing this? Like, they're not going to, They're in that sense, I think they're not going to care. They're going to be glad that they're getting some kind of guidance from the Valar. And I'm not sure that they're, they have enough data to be able to draw conclusions about what does this mean? about the Valar as a whole, right? But they knew the Valar well enough to know that Olmo kind of does his own thing, right? So it's not going to be shocking uh, for to them, I think, uh, for that, that Olmo is, you know, so they're like, okay, we, we were, you know, kind of banished and th there was that ugly scene, right, with the whole Doom of Mandos and everything. Um, but, you know, okay, so Olmo is going rogue and sending us messages and trying to help us out. That's cool. And that's cool in a particularly Olmo-ish way, right? Um, I don't think that – so that that strikes me as the kind of thing that they would likely, I don't know, either – not anticipate in the sense that they're like, oh, finally, Olmo. Um, but again, that they would not be absolutely shocked uh, about. Um but, you know, so, I'm talking about it really from the viewer standpoint, right? Where we haven't really seen much of the Valar. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, see, that's the, the part that I do think is more, is more interesting, right? right. Now, Rhiannon points out, and this is very, it's very, very true. Um, the elves are already aware that the Valar haven't utterly abandoned them. Thorondor showing up to help save Mithros establishes that. And, it, and that was, you know, like episode one of this season. So we start the season with intervention from the Valar, you know, still relatively low key, like not a, we're going to send armies, not a, we're going to show up and, and uh, haul off Morgoth or something like that. But, you know, uh, uh, we're going to send the Eagle to come and rescue, um, you know, Mithros and Fingen. Um, and now we have another intervention from the Valar in the, in the, in the latter stages, not the very end, but in the latter stages of the season in order to, you know, to show them. But, but Trish, I agree. I think it's extremely interesting to think about: Do we want to show an Olmo scene, like a Valinor scene? Like, what would prompt him to decide to do this? You know, what is it that right. he's seeing or hearing, or what are they talking about? That's like, geez, you know, I think you know we don't intervene much, but or Mando's saying, I don't want you to go directly to them. You know, you need to find another way to warn them, and he chooses to use dreams or something. I don't know. You know, something like that. As a, I mean, I know in the book, it's like, of course, this would happen. But, but. Right. Yeah, no. And and I mean, there's a sense. And this is, of course, made much more explicit in the speech that Olmo gives to Tuor in the book, in the not the book of Lost Tales, in the Unfinished Tales version, the uh, the the 
the disastrously unfinished tour and the coming of oh, yeah, yeah. The coming to Gondolin um, version of the story. Um, still, I think at the very top of the things I really wish that, that Tolkien didn't finish that I really wished he had. Um, but in that, in the part of it that we do get, he does cover the meeting between Olmo, not, not Olmo and Turgon, but Olmo and Tuor. And when Olmo shows up to tour, he gets awful chatty in that version <laughs> of the story. I mean, he really spills about, I mean, more than we see anywhere else about sort of the political situation. And he's pretty quick. He's, um, he's, 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 he's going rogue and he doesn't care. Right. Um, so a scene in which we kind of see that happening, I don't think he should be going against Mandos because I think that yeah, undermines Mandos. No, that's right. I think almost it should be maybe, maybe an agreement. Like Marie points out, uh, Manway and Olmo have an understanding of Olmo's involvement in Middle-earth. So it could actually be the opposite, which is Mandos feels that something, you know, they need to be warned and it would be Olmo would be the person to do it, right? That it would yeah. be more of Mandos' agreement that Olmo would be the conveyor of... Yeah, now, who would be against it? Who would be over there? In, I think Aule, right? Aule's still the one really, really mad at the Noldor, right? <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I think maybe Aule and, I don't know, maybe Tolkas. I don't know. I'm trying to think of who else. Who would be... Would Mandos care? I don't know. He just delivers no, the Because well, Mandos really. is going to be like... Mandos is going to know that Olmo's going to do it, right? I mean... Yeah. <laughs> There's no point. Like it's, it's on the tapestry in his. Yeah, hall. exactly. Like that's that's a, it's a given. The Mandos. Um, Mandos is tapping his foot. Like, oh, when are you gonna? Yeah, go? yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, so, right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 yeah. Exactly. He's gonna he's gonna be anticipating this all along. So. I mean, I, I think like, we um, can be elegant with this, and I think I may have said this before, but I do think it's important that we do show. I mean, we know as people who have read the books multiple times and talked about it, that the Valar are, are involved all the way through the ages of Middle-earth. But I think, you know, we want to be elegant about showing that they are still involved. What I mean by that is it doesn't have to be like every show or, you know, like right. a huge bit. But we right. need to sort of pepper it in there to where, and so this is kind of, to me, like one of those moments, you know, one of those psychological right. moments that we would well, show them. And especially since we did get the, as Rhiannon reminds us, the the, the Thorondor appearance right. at the beginning, it's right. it's almost kind of a, it becomes almost a sort of a framing mechanism of this, both the beginning and the end of the season. We're seeing uh, that they're still involved. So sure. Um, and a glimpse. You're right, Maria. And that's what I'm talking about. A glimpse. I'm not talking about like a long thing. Yeah, we kind of need a whole council or no, anything. No, no, no. But no. But it would be. The reason it does strike me as a time to go back and have a Valar scene, an actual honest-to-goodness scene with dialogue and not just a glimpse or a memory or a musical theme, um, is why Olmo is going to be the primary point of contact. I mean, he's going to be the one who is most actively involved. I mean, of course, climaxing, um, not ceasing, but climaxing with the appearance from the sea to tour. Right. right? No one else is acting that way. What's up? Why is Olmo right. doing? Especially since he was kind of the most, you know, I was about to say laid back. That's not absentee, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you could, 
one could be forgiven if in the first few seasons you kind of emerged with the fact that Elmo, with the idea that Elmo was kind of apathetic about the whole thing, right? I mean, we show him caring in certain, especially in the times when we, when we were demonstrating the rebellion of Asse and things like mm. that, right? Like we know that Elmo isn't just, you know, completely apathetic, but, um, but anyway, I definitely, um, I definitely think that it might be nice to to sort of show how, not just why he does it in the sense of like what is his personal motivation, right? Exactly. In the sense of like how does this fit with who he is? Because it does, right? This sure. fits with who he is, um, right? And if we do it right, it can give us a glimpse—not just an explanation of why it is that Olmo is involved, but a glimpse into how the others are involved as exactly. well. Exactly, right? that's like, what I'm thinking. A little yeah. peek behind the curtain at the bigger picture of yeah, the Valar are still tracking. Yeah, yeah, and it's a kind of a, yeah, it's exactly. It's a reminder to the viewers, like yeah, they you know they're not on screen, but they're watching. You know, they know what's yeah. going on. They're keeping track. And Rihanna makes a really good point of saying this would be a good time, too, because uh, to remind the viewers that about Tyrion being the basis Ooh. for Gondolin. Yeah. Which I think is a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, that's neat. Um, now, Maria's suggesting maybe we do that in episode 13. I'd be fine with doing that in episode 13. Um, at, cause at, so we, we had the dreams. <laughs> From from Every said we can show reborn Angrod. <laughs> I'm okay with with having more Angrod back in back in Valador, right? We can develop whole ang, whole post Angrod Angrod spin off series. Angrod and Valador right, could be a whole off. series. Yes. <laughs> we'll just call we'll just call the show Angrod Lives, right? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so no, I think it's fine because so if we ha if we show the dreams in episode 10 and we show some direction that Turgon is getting here from Olmo uh, now in episode 11, um, the armor business, we could do that at, like the beginning of episode 13, maybe. And that's when we could do it. Right. Then, oh, then we can yeah, show, like, especially like what's kind of interesting, wouldn't it? If. Um, if we have, we actually have Olmo appear to Turgon in some form, and they actually have a conversation, and then he returns to the water, and we like, and and we follow him. We don't fall, we don't stay with Turgon. We follow Olmo, right? Uh, and then and then he has a conversation with uh, some folks. Um, like some he rises out of the that. water to Manway and says, "It is yeah. done." And Alle goes, "You shouldn't do that. You should, guys, should right, exactly. lay off. What have you been up to? Seriously, <laughs> yeah." Um, so anyway, that's just a suggestion. But anyway, I don't think it needs to happen here. So yeah, what we would be doing there is building up kind of an accumulation of, you know, um, we don't know why this is happening, right? I mean, right. viewers might be beginning to ask the question, what's Olmo doing, right? What, right. Why is Olmo doing all this stuff? And then, of course, that will culminate in episode and the chaos 13. Is 13. Yeah. Right. With somebody going up to Olmo and saying, Olmo, why are you doing this? Right? I don't right. get this. This is wrong. Um, so so you, um, don't, uh, you don't like Brian Dinnick's suggestion about uh, maybe maybe we could have some, some flashbacks to uh, their time in Valinor where they're, like, hanging out with Olmo? Right. <laughs> Maybe they're best buddies. <laughs> I remember all those times. Where you have that, yeah, you'd have like fun, like a 
collage, right? They're surfing and laughing. Montage of them shooting pool back Having a beach campfire and yeah, you know, (laughs) chugging beer together. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) That's a montage. That's That's a little montage. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, all right. So, but, but for now, he just needs to send help. The help can, this can be really subtle, right? And I'm thinking, what if we did a, um, uh, a kind of a, not an obvious and, and exactly the same thing kind of precursor, but what if we did a precursor of uh, Tor and the Swans, right? I mean, he could just send that kind of a sign uh, to, uh, to Turgon, right? Mm-hmm. If we see, because, and Turgon would, unlike Tor, Turgon would pick up on it right away. Right. Well, right. Tour kind of does pick up on it right away. But anyway, Turgon would know more about it than 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 Tour did, um, and he would see something maybe not swans, and um, uh, and then he would um, uh, and and, you know, and and he would immediately pick up on the fact that this was a sign from Olmo. Um, would it be birds? Would it be something else? I mean, we know the swan. Tour Turgon can follow Durandor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would, be, you know. that would be a pretty big sign, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, if we wanted to do the exact parallel, right, to have swans appear and, and he follows the swans, that's okay. If we wanted to save the swans themselves for tour, uh, because swans are going to kind of be tour's thing. Um, we could do that, um, in which case we'd need something else. And I don't know quite what else to give them other than swans. Um, uh, it would have to be like a bird or something for him to follow. It has to be a bird, huh? It can't be. could yeah, have a dream. There's no water. Be like, like, couldn't fish, be dolphin. Right? Yeah, yeah, like a, a, a salmon leaping particularly vigorously upstream that he follows. You know, I, I, that doesn't seem... Uh, I was thinking uh, dolphins, and they do that little thing, you know. Not inland. <laughs> I know that's the problem. That's the problem. We don't have any water. I mean, there are freshwater dolphins, but there's no water, so well, not all the way, anhow. It's, yeah. It's kind of awkward. Yeah. Yeah. A sea turtle could be a turtle, but that would take that would take way too That'd long. Be awesome, right? Turgon following a turtle very slowly <laughs> across the pond. Don't worry, it's fine, folks. It's fine. Just be patient. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things that I was thinking was, you know, Morgoth has his spies out, right? And I'm thinking birds might be a little, well, for sure, Thorondor would be uh, way too big because Morgoth's agents would see. So I was just trying to think, you know, what would be some other types of animals that would get under the, you know, be under Morgoth's radar, so to speak? Yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe I'm being over analytical about it. Yeah. Now, Rihanna and I agree. Um, you know, we've got no living thing coming to the mountains around Tomb Laden, save the eagles of Thorondor. Mm-hmm. The eagles are, I mean, so the eagles are going to be there. We Good are going to establish a relationship between Turgon and Thorondor, what's more. Like, yeah, that's what Bree said the same thing. Partners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, true. Uh, and they've already but, proven that they're allies, so. We don't need anyone else. All we need is something, somebody to lead, something to lead him to the. The, the 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 path right to the right. to the secret path, entrance in to tomb lava right um right you don't have to like fly over the right over True. The and i would kind of think that a uh meeting with the rondor would be best arranged inside right so like he turgon comes in 
right? And he's looking around in Tomb Laden like this is great. And Thrawner would come down, could come down and talk to him in the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not something that would be seen by Morgoth or Morgoth spies. That's true. Because that's true. They know the eagles live there in those mountains. They right? wouldn't. And yeah, they're not going to be. Strange. Whereas again, yeah, Thrandor is like, you know, flying across the landscape with elves <laughs> following him. That's going to look. I mean, you can't hide that. <laughs> right. But, no, I think that is that is, that, and that would make sense too. You know, like you say, they live there, so it wouldn't be considered anything out of the ordinary. But in terms of Turgon's experience, it's significant because it's Thrandor coming in and talking to him. I mean, yeah. that's kind of interesting. So Thrandor... Why don't just fly the eagles to Gondolin? <laughs> fly the eagles to Gondolin. Exactly. Answer to everything, right? <laughs> it's... What Tolkien obviously should have written was a series of short, like, eagle taxi stories. Exactly. Uh, Like one of those children's books, right? Like the never-ending story. To different destinations. That's That's right. That would have been the best story. Um, uh, Yeah, so... um, Okay, so the two options... So let's go back to him getting to the hidden way. Um... He has, either he has a dream, or he follows something. Um, I he just had a dream, right? So I mean, it's not like, of course, it is a mechanism of Olmos, you know, to do that. So it's not like that's ridiculous, and it would clearly link it with the vision that he had in episode ten. But it kind of seems to me that two dream messages in two consecutive episodes is just a touch lame. So. Um, and again, I kind of like the foreshadowing of the uh, of the of Tour, right? Um, so that when these swans appear in the sky and Tour looks up, the viewers are like, "Oh, okay, I know what's going on." Oh, here, that's right? a good idea. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we know what this means. So, um, anyway, yeah. So, um, so I kind of like him following something and it doesn't have to be because you realize what I would prefer as a parrot. You should follow a parrot. <laughs> a parrot. We could we could cast Buddha into in the in the role. Cast <laughs> Buddha. <laughs> um yeah. It could be seagulls. I kind of like um uh, Catherine's suggestion about or albatross, it. you know, big. Oh, an owl. Yeah, I was thinking like a an albatross like inland would look a little bit odd too. That would look a little odd too. That's true. Uh, seagulls, you know, you can get owl. seagulls inland. Owls, not too bad. Kind of like an owl. Um, I mean, I don't. There's no necess- There's no obvious connection between Olmo personally and owls, but I mean, kind of like the owl. I mean, um, I like the idea of it being a water bird, like heron, like a heron, for example, like ooh, a heron, heron or an egret, one of those white egrets, you know, the yeah. white egrets. Yeah. And they're like, you know, they do uh, fresh water, so they it wouldn't be un, it wouldn't be unusual for them to be around bodies of water or rivers. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I don't. A think series that of birds. Either. That's interesting. Starting with a seagull and ending with an eagle, with swans, owls, etc. In between. That's and a parrot in between. <laughs> Um, yeah, 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 no, yeah, okay, no, this is, so he doesn't, so first of all, when I say, like, he follows something, it, I don't mean that he has to, like, be following it the whole way, like, I was joking about the turtle, um, <laughs> just to set him off in the right direction, right, 
I mean, that's really, I mean, he, so he, he's going to be like, okay, so, uh, secret base, right? I need a location for a secret base. And then he sees like the heron or the seagull. Right. And he, right. he sees this in, and he just like, he knows cause he's Turgon and Olmo is Olmo. Right. And he's kind of tuned into this. He's like, ah, okay. I'm, 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 I'm getting the hint. Right. I'm mm-hmm. going to follow that. And he's just, so he follows the river right up. And then, the, and so he ends up following uh, the river Syrian most of the way. And he can, re- we can show him receiving um, a few like, again, pointers here and there. Oh, just a like, thrush, you know, a thrush knocking three times. There <laughs> A thrush. A thrush. <laughs> a thrush. When he gets um, to the way, it would have to be on, you know, like, not I in kind the water. Of li- so, what if at the end, he sees, so, I mean, they're up there, right? They're around the Chris Iger, and like, the, the eagles have their, I mean, everybody knows, it's public knowledge, right, that the eagles live up in the tops of these mountains, right? So, they've been following the direct, you know, the, the directions of one or more miscellaneous birds until they've come up against, so they're coming up towards the Chrysagrim, right? And they look up and they see Therondor, right? Because that's mm-hmm. where he lives, mm-hmm. right? And they see him circling up above and they see him, he descends down into Tomb Love, right? Um, and again, not, normally nobody would care, like, because nobody knows that there's even a valley there, right? right. Um, so it's not like, oh, that's going to give things away. It wouldn't give anything away. Like, okay, so he's descending somewhere into the mountains. But again, Turgon, under the circumstances, is, you know, so he sees this and he's like, okay, that's our final sign, right? There's a valley there. Uh, right. And, you know, the eagles of Manway just descended into the, you know, that, that is our, our place. Um, so, he, um, so, then, so then he goes up and he finds the hidden way. Um, right. You know, gosh, I you know, really by the way. I love the thrush suggestion. What if also he, ravens? Don't forget ravens. I mean, we have, ravens. you know, because they do. I mean, they're supposed to be a strain that talk, right? I mean, we'll see them later, but yeah. You I know, don't know if I want to deploy ravens here, but you know, I I almost um, I have a we hard have time. Resisting. Oh, we have ravens in the frame. She said in, in the, the frame. frame. Yeah, with the Erebor yeah. business. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I have a hard time resisting the idea of the thrush actually especially since i think that'd be awesome the finding of the secret door right exactly. that's the finding of the secret door exactly. situation exactly well, it's a, be, you can't pretend it's not fun to have a we thrush discover that that's what thrushes do in the that's park. it that's a, the that's, that's like their job, their job. Right? That's revealing right. the location of secret doors right yeah. absolutely yeah um yeah so so and honestly that we don't even need more than that. So we get one scene no. with yeah. Turgon and he's like, okay, where do I go? And then he sees the first bird can be a gull, or maybe that's a little too not interesting or a heron because or he's on the coast, right? Yeah. They see lots of gulls, presumably. So a heron. Maybe it's a heron the first time, right? So he sees this heron flying inland, flying inland. you know, yeah. over the river. And he's like, okay, I, you know, and so he is filled with this sort of semi-prophetic uh, conviction because he's and at that point all he has to do is follow the river right yeah this is a message so I, I we're supposed to follow up the river so he follows up the river and they're going to end up near the chrysagrim right so he he's just going to his his conviction that the message was to go this way is going to take him to within sight of the chrysagrim then he's going to see the eagle descending and he's going to say okay there's that's it 
Um, That's the, the place. Uh, Mike Omo and the Eagles of Manway have shown us where this is supposed to be. And, but, and then they're going to come up to the wall. They're going to be like, but we can't get in. Like, how on earth do we, if, if there's a valley even in there, how do we get there? And right. then we get the thrush, the thrush right? So the, there's a thrush knocking, and he hears the knocking of the thrush, and he goes up and finds the, and they find the entrance to the, the, to the, the hidden way. And then, and then I kind of like Tomb that. Laden. And when they get into Tomb Laden, like, Throndor can be there. Throndor can be right. waiting for them. Like, Throndor can be kind of, you know, clued into Throndor certainly will have seen them coming. Right. And when they come in, um, you know, Turgon can say like, you know, uh, hi, we meet. I mean, he can like ask permission. Like, yeah, I know. Um, hi, you know, Thorondor, I know you could. This is kind of your pad here. And do you <laughs> mind if we like, could we be neighbors? Right. Omo said we he's kind of guided us here. Um, you know, what do you think about that? And Thorondor would be like, okay, you know, we'll like uh, keep on protecting the whole ring around this, and uh, you know, no one will. Does he ask for protection own. money? Makes, <laughs> right. makes like, what's it for us? Yeah, uh, right. right. Um, no, but uh, yeah. So I mean, we, we can we we can have the, so we can show that there's going to be an active relationship right. between Dragon right. and Thorondor, and, and he's showing Thorondor, you know, all the respect and. Um, and it's all good. So yeah, so that works. So we have the discovery of Tomb Laden. Now, Marie, definitely, I think Warfindel and Exhalion are with it. I think it's the three of them. Three of them? The three of them, yeah. Um, it it can't be a large party, right? But but Warfindel and and, um, and Exhalion, right? Um, uh, yeah, they definitely should be, should be there. I mean, they're his two top guys, and of course, you know, both of them going to die in the defense of Gondolin. So, you know, we want to it associate be there at the beginning. That's right. From Italian, yeah. From, mm-hmm. from the very beginning. Um, yeah. Okay. So that can be, you know, we're going to need to spread that out over the whole episode then, because we have what the first scene with the heron, the second scene with the eagle, the third scene with the thrush getting through and finding the hidden wind, and the fourth scene meeting Thorondor on the inside, or we can bring those two together into one longer scene, I suppose. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's fine. I think that's fine. Um, I think that'll be really interesting. I think it'll be an interesting viewing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, cool. So, solve that problem. Um, Arathel. How do we want to handle Aravel? What? So Aravel. When is when does when is Turgon going to spring the news on Aravel? Mm. I don't. Yeah, think he's she's, not said anything to her yet, right? Yeah, I mean, is she going to be? Hmm, does he like tell Gorfindel and? I know Italian how before he tells they, her. Aren't they supposed to be pretty close, Turgon and Aracel? You think? I mean, <laughs> she sticks with him. Yeah, know, she moves in with him. Um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, she wouldn't go with them on the trip, obviously, but well, I would I think mean, she'd know, she, wouldn't she? Mightn't she? Oh, you think she might? I'm all for it, of course, but I mean, we could leave her in charge instead. I mean, you know, 
She, I mean, that's my two favorite me. characters in one scene. I'd be so excited. Right, exactly. <laughs> Marsha Villanara's elf in that's one right. place at the same time, right? In the same time. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, he could leave her. He could leave well, it does make sense to leave her place. in charge. Yeah, it does make sense. That's right. So maybe he leaves her in charge. Maybe he doesn't tell her yet. Because maybe he doesn't tell anybody yet. Maybe even Gorth, Findle, and Ixthelion don't know what sure. they're doing. Maybe even Turgon isn't 100% sure what he's doing. He's had the vision. Right? He's had the vision. He's like, okay, right. this is supposed to happen. So he's like, he's still keeping his counsel. He's not told anybody yet. Not even them. He's just like, I want to uh, travel Scout. a bit. I want to wander <laughs> yeah. about. Let's... I'm feeling the need to go walk about here in Tyrion. <laughs> and Gorfindel and Ixthalion are like, how about we come with you? And he's like, okay, cool. And then, uh, so when he goes, he uh, finds... You know, so he's following the birds and he wouldn't even he would make a big deal of it. He wouldn't even be like, do you see that heron? It is a sign. Right. He would just be like, let's go that way. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, right. And um, uh, yeah, so that'd be fine. Does he and finally does he finally spill to the two guys during the trip at some point? I mean, when like, they get there, I think. Um, you think so? Like when, when they, they get inside, get, or when they get when inside, they get I think when, when they get inside, it's so like they're coming up and they're on the, you know, they're looking, they're coming up against the Crusaderum, and 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 yeah. and the, you know, Gorfindel and Ecthelion are like, um, okay, looks like a dead end to me. Is there a reason? Like, what's going on here? Exactly. I would think and that then, would be the point. And then the torch like, happens, and Turgon is ah. like, "Hey, come with me." And they can be like, "Okay, like something is a little weird here, right?" I mean, they can they can be kind of exchanging significant glances behind Turgon's back. Right. And then but when they get into Tomb Tomb Laden, that's when then Turgon makes a speech. Right. Got it. As we okay. see the you know, the beautiful valley of Tomb Laden opening out below them as they're standing in the you know in, in, in you know in the inner end of the of the hidden way. Um, then you know, then he, he could, makes a speech and he's yeah, you know, well, like, he, or he, could, he could just like become overwhelmed and say, This is it and they'll be this like, is yeah. This is what? <laughs> yeah. And then he yeah. has to explain to them. Yeah, exactly. And that's when he explains. And then and then like and then, you know, Thorondor descends near them and then they, you know, have, he has a conversation with them. So when they're coming back, they know. But this is now it's official right before he right. knew that something had to happen, but he didn't know exactly what and he didn't know exactly where. Now he feels like his orders are pretty clear. Right. And mm -hmm. the dream said, like, keep it secret, keep it safe. Right. So he's not going to tell people in general but he is going to now go back to Nevros and tell Aravel. That doesn't have to be in this episode. That could be in episode no, 12, yeah. maybe, because um, we're going to start the construction and stuff. But What um, are her reactions going to be? That's something yeah. for everybody to ponder until we talk about it next. I'm, she's not going to be like, I don't think she's going to be like, oh, that's great. I'll pa go pack my bags. You know, yeah, I mean, I've been hoping to cloister myself away for all time. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's just, exactly. This is great news, brother. Um, yeah, no, this has got to be a decision for her. But yeah, but that'll be that 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 Later. that'll be a, we'll, that's an episode we'll kick twelve. We'll on that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, meanwhile, she's in Neverest and she's not. And I think that he does leave Arathel and not Idril because Arathel is. I mean, they'd be a little bit sort of insulting. Like I'm going to leave my daughter in charge and not my sister. Not my sister. Um, I mean, and I think actually it's a really good moment to kind of show Arathel as like a mentor figure to Idril. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that would be uh, uh, that would be cool. Um, but anyway, OK, cool. So um, that's f 
fine and wow all right we're like that's i much you know flashing on by the way i just want to say leaving her in charge and never asked i'm flashing on aowen they had leaving aowen in charge i i just i'm just saying i don't think we need to be like really cheesy in our in our right. parallels there but anyway right right yeah yeah um oh and yes i do agree that the Arathel gives us a wonderful opportunity, right? Yeah. We know that for Arathel, the issue about like going to Gondolin and never leaving again is going to this is going to be a big issue and one that she's going to kind of regret later on, right? Um, so through Arathel's, I don't want to say uncertainty, but again, this is a big choice. She's going to make the choice, right? Um, but well, she's gonna have to move through some steps to get there for sure exactly and i and can see her doing her that and then becoming an advocate what it is. right and then she could also turn around once she's made the decision and be the advocate and the mentor to others i think that's kind of what maria's saying maybe to mm-hmm. move them through the process of choosing to join well yeah person. and i mean obviously we can't like you know we can't have an episode where we're going through and like interviewing all of the future <laughs> gondolindrim and being like tell me how do you feel about the, this whole relocation project you know but um oh, I, well, I like it it could be documentary style <laughs> documentary style exactly we'll do a mockumentary of the building of gondolin um uh <laughs> we need ken burns get ken burns on the phone i wonder what the Bill, I wonder what the building permitting process was like. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the whole conversation with the Rondor, right? Like we know, oh, yeah, yeah. Is, we know that this is zoned as Eagle terrain, right? <laughs> but you know, if we could rezone this lower part, and it will be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they, they have a they have a little little town meeting. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. So okay, but, but, but I no, think, they, again, I think there's a way to be able to show kind of all that. Again, it could just be facial expressions or, right. you know, no, sleeping I mean, conversations or something. She would have conversations, and I think that the, uh, um, but that you know, it's not come to the point yet, right? They're not moving in yet. Right, um, right. That he's going to build Gondolin, that's definite, right? And and she's going to know. Many of the people are going to be like, yeah, we're 100, percent like we're in. This is great. Uh, Gore Findle and Excellion are delighted, apparently. Right. They're going to be all for this. Um, she's going to have her own reservations. But again, we're not you know, it's not moving day yet. We're just so the first she could also believe be the I'll believe it when I see it type like go along and like think, oh, sure, sure, sure. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute. This really is going to happen. I don't know. I mean, there's different ways she could be reacting. Yeah. I mean, the other point, the other benefit of having Arathel as kind of a resistant figure mm-hmm. there is that it will compel Turgon to explain his vision of that. Not, not the vision that he had, but like right. his forward vision of Gondolin. Like, what's the point, right? She, she, you know, she'd be like, sell me on this, on this, on this you know, project, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why do we do this? Why do we shut ourselves away in the secret valley? Like, I can see that it would be safer, but what do you mean to accomplish? You know, like, why is hiding... That's the a right really good answer, point, right? What's the purpose of this? And Turgon has to sell her on this, and and we have to make him succeed in selling her, right? But her resistance also could be also, uh, you know, that it won't be as a, a huge surprise later on when she doesn't want to be there anymore. You know, I mean, in other right. words, right? Like she sold maybe because of her love for her brother in the moment. But we, you know, we're not that surprised. Where later on down the line, it just gets to the point where she can't do it anymore. Well, and here's the other thing. This, 
thinking about it in this way gives us a really good opportunity because the risk with Arevel, um, or rather the, the risk that one takes in depicting Arevel is that we make her look merely petulant, impatient, mm-hmm. right? You know, like she's the one who's just like, I'm so over Gondolin. I'm so bored <laughs> around here. Can I get any excitement? Can I? I can't sew one more banner. Exactly. <laughs> if, I, if I do it for one more century, I'm going to scream. Like, like we don't want Arthel to be that kind of character. Like the one who is just, you know, again, has less patience and can't stick to the thing. And, and like, you know, nobody else has a, pro- everyone else thinks this is a little paradise Valley. Arthel, what's your problem? We know. So he, he, here's the alternative to that. Though. We know that down the road, Turgon is going to cross a line where he ceases, like his vision fails, where no longer is Gondolin doing the thing that it was setting out to do, right? Whatever it is, exactly. However it is, he sells it. What what the what the purpose and vision of Gondolin is meant to be, we know that by the end, it's not going to be succeeding in that, right. right? When he's locking his gates against, you know, those who are uh, fleeing uh, Morgoth hate pursued, right? And they, he's not going to let anybody in. Um, we know, obviously, when he says no, He's not going to leave, even though almost message or, 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 you know, comes. We know like he's he's lost his way. Right. Turgon mm-hmm. is going to lose his way. He's going to lose his vision. Um, I think that we have the opportunity, therefore, to make Arvel's desire to depart the first one, not the like sign of her own immaturity, but the, the first warning she, like, yeah. yeah, she she is seeing she's like, you know, mm, gosh, I really you know, this sounded great when you described it back in Nebrast, brother. But are are we are we are we is it working? Are we doing like is this is this happening? I think it's not working. Right? That's great. I think that's a great. Um, you know, just like just like her resistance, I'll have Turgon have to explain his vision. This is an opportunity for her to be the narrator of something's rotten in Gondolin. Kind of exactly. Thing. Yeah, Brian says it really really well that. Um, there's a purpose, right? And Gondolin is designed to be a means to achieving that purpose, right? And we know that ultimately mm-hmm. Turgon's mm-hmm. problem is going to be focusing to making that means into an end, right? Focusing too much on, you know, loving too much the work of his own hands, right? Mm-hmm. So what if we can if we can play it that way? If, if Arathel maintains her focus on the purpose, right? And she is mm-hmm. beginning to feel the slide, right? Like, you know... Everyone is going around a little bit too much talking about Gondolin like it's the whole point. Like, isn't this awesome? Aren't we all happy here? Isn't this just the most perfect little place that we've built here in this valley? And she's like, yeah, but remember, this was the means to an end, right? Let's focus on the end. And she's like, so they've not gone over the edge, right? But it's the first warning. She feels that she sees the danger and decides... Mm -hmm. You know, it's time to start thinking about moving towards this purpose in a different way, perhaps. Yeah. Now, we don't have to work out all the details of that because that's not going to happen until season five. But right. Um, but again, we can we can lay the foundation for this in the conversation that Arvel and Turgon are going to have when he's going to talk her over. And I do think, yes, it's her love for her brother, um, but it can't just be her love for mm-hmm. her brother. You know why? She's got other brothers. So I mean, like, that's, that's, I mean, 
like just favoritism like oh well but you're my favorite brother so i will shut myself away from all the rest from like dad and the rest of our family for the rest (laughs) of our lives like no like that's creepy i i don't like that that's not enough for me for the marie says she could just hang with fingen (laughs) yeah i mean exactly you know so um yeah yeah, so your earlier story Go ahead. Oh, sorry, Trish. Um, no, no. To, to, to your earlier point, Corey, um, to, like this, this is where if we don't want her to properly motivate her leaving later, this is where we really have to set it up. It can't just be yeah. for her brother because yep. otherwise, right. you know, her brother's right. still there when she leaves later. Right. Then right. she just looks fickle. Right. Yep. Yeah. So this also then means the Turgon, I mean, this speech the Turgon makes is going to have to be one persuasive speech. Oh yeah, Big speech. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But it's and very I mean, clear and very visionary. You know. Yes. Yes. And this is, but this is what we were building before, right? When we were thinking about the visions way back in, like the pre, um, mm-hmm. when we were discussing this back in the, before we started discussing the individual episodes. Um, it is Turgon's vision for like what is best to do, because also this is the other thing that we got to keep in mind. The message that. Olmo is ultimately going to send through Tool, right? Um, I would like to... So, originally, Book of Lost Tales, right? The first fall of Gondolin stuff. Olmo's message to Tool, or Olmo's message to Turgon through Tool, I should say, is aggressive, Right? His message to Olmo, or Olmo's message to Turgon is attack, right? I want you to march out and attack Morgoth. And if you do, you will win and Morgoth will be overthrown. Because it's like prophesied and stuff. And, and if you do that, if you march out and you attack Morgoth, I, Olmo, will rally the rest of the Valar and we will show up and it's going to be over, and the good guys are going to win. But it will only happen, Turgon, if you march out and go. Now, by the time we get to the published Silmarillion, Tolkien is backed way off from mm. both the like prophecy of Turgon defeating Morgoth, and he's backed off from uh, just like that whole aggressive thing. Instead, he's just like, okay, time to go. Right? It's like in the published Silmarillion, it is more like a warning that the jig is up right like okay like you know uh, uh you're you're about to be destroyed if you don't leave now things are going to go badly for you it's more like what the message the message is much more in that direction than it is the like aggressive message you are the champion if you go and attack it's gonna i would really kind of love to move almost message back towards the older mm-hmm. version I was, a little bit i was about to ask if you're proposing we move back toward heck yeah toward a... heck yeah yeah I think that I would love to, if we could embed that somehow, a version of that into like, because again, he's had this vision from Omo, right? If Turgon's part of Turgon's, per, Turgon's purpose is not only preservation, I think, but he will have some kind of an inkling, right? That if they do it, if they succeed in taking this, uni- this united Elvish uh, group, right? You know, both the Sindar and the Noldor, right? into Gondolin and keeping that secure, that it will not only be able to be a secret haven which Morgoth can neither find nor destroy, therefore it's, it's, not, it's not just safety, 
right? It's not only hiding and running away, but if they can endure through them, the end will come, right? Through them, victory will come. And he won't be able to explain that, I think. He'll just, again, remember Turgan, he has these like foresighted moments, right? So he'll get an inkling, he'll get a, he'll get a kind of a foresight, right? That like great good will come of it. And where his fall comes in is in his own skewing of, in, of his interpretation of that, right? By the end, he's going to convince himself that the mere survival of Gondolin is the victory, right? That is the victory that was foreseen, that Gondolin remains unblighted and that, you know, there remains in Middle-earth the one undimmed light uh, which remembers Valinor and that the survival of that alone is, is, is victory, right? He's going to believe that by the end. Which is, of course, nothing other than him rationalizing his too great love for his own, uh, for his own, the works of his own hands, right? Um, because in the end, the again, Gondolin was only a means to an end, and that end is going to be the destruction of Morgoth, the downfall of Morgoth in the north. Um, so, so I, I feel like we're, yeah. I feel like this, this is gonna. F- that we're really going to have to thread a thread a needle here a little bit. Um, cause, cause I, cause I think making it too specific, like, okay, you need to go build uh gondolin and build up an army and then attack Morgoth sort of, it will end up leaving the question of like, why didn't he do that? He had very specific instructions and then he didn't no, 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 follow he, them. He, he doesn't get those instructions at the beginning right now. All right. he, all, all he knows is that like, you know, so, Arathel is going to be like, okay, so the plan is we go and we hide. And if our father and brother need our help, we don't give it. Explain to me why this is a good plan, brother, right? And so so he's like, okay, no, no, no. It's not just hiding, right? This is, there is a purpose to this. And he's not going to be able to explain the whole thing. He doesn't know the details, right? He doesn't even know that it's going to be an attack necessarily. What he knows is like he will have a foresight which will bring conviction to him and Arathel, I think, that through them destruction will come to Morgoth. Through, uh, through, through us, through Gondolin. Um, if Gondolin is built and Gondolin survives, through Gondolin will come uh, the 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 downfall of the enemy. Right? Yeah, he won't if know he's, how. If he's if he's been foresighted before, uh, she'll be. A- familiar with that so right. i mean if he she's going to be prone to believe him if he says you know i've had foresight of and you know, he doesn't necessarily have to be real specific or know all the details right because yeah. yeah. he has a premonition yeah exactly and she knows him well enough to know that like his premonitions are good right right exactly exactly um, uh yeah brian oh i love that brian says gondolin to serve its true purpose has to be temporary but Turgon is not going to be willing to give it up in the end. In the end, he is going to have to do, remember Frodo's words, right? Uh, you know, in order for things to be saved, someone has to give them up, right? He's going to have to give up Gondolin in order to save Middle-earth, right? In order to save everything, right? And he's not going to be willing to do it. Um, and to Brian's point also just before that, which is that also is the break with Arathel because she's, wanting to save Beleriand and he's only focused on Gondolin and she's not behind that idea. And I'm not saying that I want to make Aravel totally blameless, right? I mean, I think that there, 
part of what is going on can be impatience on her part. She does, she does not want to play the long game. Right. She is, she, we can, but you know, so I'm, I'm not, I would be okay with having Arthel at least some in the wrong. I just don't want to make her look pitiful. I don't want to make her look petulant. Um, I've always thought of her as being very restless. She gets restless. Yeah, yeah exactly. Know, That's totally part of it. That's totally yeah. part of it. Um, but it's just not exactly, Maria. She's not. She's not simply bored. Uh, exactly. No. Right. So yeah, we, we 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 give her this other thing. She will have some genuine reasons uh, for being increasingly uneasy um, with um, like how Turgon talks about Gondolin. I think is uh, is what will make her uneasy. Um, Anyway, but again, that's a season five thing, and we'll get to there. We'll get to there in time. Um, cool. Yeah, I, 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 I like this. So, so okay, but I, before I the do, end of this episode, sorry, I do ahead, really, Dave. I do really like this direction, by the way. Um, uh, but I do think it, it, I do think it could be, it's going to be a little tricky to make sure that um, that Turgon doesn't look uh, disobedient. You know, like. Um, He's just—he's not simply defying what Olmo told him to do, but somehow right. he like, you know, the message gets lost somehow. But also make it make sure it doesn't look like Olmo's being deliberately vague and weird. Yeah. You know, like why don't you just tell him what you want? Um, but I, I, I think we should. I, I think this is the right direction to go in. I'm just thinking it it it, it may be a little tricky. We need it, to be yeah, more. I mean, we need to be nuanced. Yeah. Yeah. It is, yeah. I mean, prophecy in this way is is tricky, right? Like what you know, because you have to, yeah, it's hard because it, it does bring up, you know, Dave, as you're implying, the logical question of like, well, okay, if you're going to tell him the future, why didn't you just tell him the whole future so that he would know better what to do and not screw it up, right? He wouldn't have screwed it up if he'd known. Um, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, but I think, but I think we can, you know, I think if we're just if we're careful about the way we portray this, um, like show that show that like in the delivery of the prophecy of the dreams and stuff, and the way that Olmo communicates, that's just not the way it works. Like he doesn't just like he doesn't send you like a you know a specific set of instructions and like very clear imagery and all that. That there's that the mechanism of the, of the prophecy like that there there's a component of like you have to be in the right frame of mind to receive it and interpret it properly. Right. And actually, you know, one distinction that we can make there, the vision that Olmo sends is just about Gondolin itself, right? That he needs to go and right. establish this safe haven. That further idea of like, and that that, that is a, a foretelling that could come upon Turgon. That, that doesn't have to be from Olmo, right? That could just be a Turgon thing. Um, uh, that he has this moment of, of foretelling. And maybe it only comes out when Arathel challenges it. Right. You know, he right. shares with Arathel the picture and everything. And she's like, no, I don't understand why. And then um, he tells her why. Right. And then, right. It, it, you know, this 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 uh, foretelling comes upon him. Um, and that's why it's vague, because it's just a foretelling that he himself is 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 having, you know. Um, anyway, that's uh, a. A possible way to handle that but anyway okay let's let's uh let's go to doriath and we'll do we'll finish episode 11 and then we'll begin episode 12 all in the with you know thinking through the doriath story here because that's kind of uh, uh one sort of larger arc there so the the stuff with so there are two different doriath threads 
in episode 11. One is Finrod and Thingol, and the other is Thingol and Celeborn, right? With, like, obviously, Galadriel plays a role in the engagement as well, but the real tension is between Thingol and Celeborn. Um, right? You know, because this is the moment when it's going to be revealed um, that uh, he... Uh, that is that um, uh, that Celeborn knew, knew about the kinslaying kin and didn't tell, right? Um, so, uh, do we, so my first question: these two, these two separate threads, Thingol and Celeborn, Thingol and Finrod, are they linked? Do they? precipitate one another in any way? Do we have Finrod coming to, to talk to Thingol, which of course raises the whole kinslang because it's the first time he's been there since the whole kinslang news came out and the ban and they left awkwardly after that, right? And he's not been back yet, right? So we have this be the first time that he and Thingol meet since Thingol instituted the ban. And because Thingol himself didn't leave even when his armies came earlier on, it was just... It was just, uh, uh, I almost said Maglor, uh, Mablung. Um, so, so we're going to be raising the kinslaying issue um, by, uh, by Finrod's arrival. I suppose it could be as simple as Finrod and, and, and Thingol have their first encounter, and then afterwards Thingol is like, you know, debriefing with Celeborn about his meeting with Finrod and that's when it comes out that he that uh, Celeborn knew I think Celeborn should tell him we shouldn't have Thingol just find out in some way and then come yeah. and, uh, because now like it's there's no harm done like it's not like you know he's not he's still gonna he's not gonna suddenly spill all of Goadriel's secrets but that particular one like the fact of the kinslaying like that that you know the barn door is open there. Like, you know, he, I don't think there's any protection to be offered to Galadriel further by not even mentioning that fact, right? It's not a secret. So um, in that second conversation, as they're discussing the ban and the kinslaying and Finrod, Kelborn's going to drop the bomb on it, right? And be like, yeah, okay, so uh, I should probably mention, um, I already knew. In fact, I've known for years. Um, now, so let's... What so would there be two... Celeborn's purpose in telling Thingol that, though? That's exactly the and question. Why would it come up? Yes. It's like, I cannot tell a lie. You know, I I mean, like... I chopped down the cherry tree with my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I... Except that I've been telling you a lie for years, except now in right. this moment I can't. <laughs> I cannot tell a lie anymore. Let me specify. I can, in fact, oh, I, I have been telling you. No. Uh, okay. Hang on. Well, let's back up. Let's back up to the first question first, which is um, uh, yeah. To the first question first, which is what? How does that first conversation go? So when Thingo, because maybe it'll help us see more clearly how and why Celeborn springs it if we can see more clearly both how the conversation between Thingol and Finrod goes and what the fallout is from that. Like, well, and you know, where is Thingol's head at the end of that conversation? The other thing that can make Celeborn lose his temper is if Thingol starts dissing Galadriel 
and he goes, oh yeah, well, I've already known about it. I mean, you know, or it's, yeah. like I, I made my peace with it already or something. Oh, actually, hey, Rhiannon has a great suggestion. Um, Rhiannon says, Fingal was mad at Finrod for concealing the kinslight, right? You know, I, he feels personally betrayed by his kinsman Finrod, whom he likes very much and has trusted, right? And so, yeah, so Thingol could be kind of opening up to Kelleborn and being like, yeah, you know what really bugs me? People that I trusted who knew about the kinslaying and didn't tell me. That's what really burns my biscuits, well, right? And Kelleborn would be like, okay, so bad news on that I, side. Well, that would be even more reason for Kelleborn not to say anything to him. <laughs> Which makes it the more, like, bold for him to say this. Kelleborn is going to be advocating for Finrod. Essentially, right? I mean, that's okay. going to be one right. of the... the oh, way. okay. Because yeah. Finrod comes for help and Thingol is like, how can I work with him? How can I trust him? Why should I participate right. You know, when when I can't trust them? And, and he's like, no, you can trust them. Uh, like, yes, he did not... Because, I mean, he we, we know Celeborn is our, like, you know, wise and witty counselor figure, right? I mean, so he would be saying to Thingol, like, come on, Thingol, like, put yourself into Finrod's... Like, I know you're upset. I get that, right? I'm kind or, of upset about it, too. Or Rhiannon's or, got another great idea. Maybe Finrod goes to Galadriel to ask for her help in convincing Thingol, Thingol and Galadriel goes to Celeborn to tell him, to give him permission to tell Thingol that he knew about the kinsling, or to tell him to please tell Thingol that he knew, or something like that. Oh, she because he's like there, made a vow to her that he wouldn't tell. Right, anybody. that's what. Yeah. So she releases him from releases from his him vow. from his vow. That could be as a way to help Finrod. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, Rhiannon. That's interesting. Yeah, Matt is wondering if like maybe Thingol wants to kick Galadriel out of Doriath, and Kelborn is like, you know. I was going, thinking along those same lines, Matt, that he starts dissing Galadriel and I want to kick her out and Celeborn, you know, is prompted by My whole problem here, she's been there the whole time, right? Yeah, you know, that's true. She's been there the whole time and she uh, – so, like, why now, right? I mean, unless she got, gets all up in Thingol's business about Finrod, right? I mean, maybe she's there and he's like, why should I trust you and everything? And she, she's like – Galadriel is, like, fed up with it. She's like, okay, you like, I get it. You're upset. You've been sulking long enough. You know, now suck it up and be a part of the team already. We're all trying to oppose Morgoth here, so get over yourself. Right? And then he's like, okay, that's it. Right? I mean, unless some blow up like that were to happen, I right. can't see why he would be focusing on Galadriel here. Um, and that would kind of seem unpolitic even for Galadriel to that's blow true. up like that. Um, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Two options. I'm not sure. I guess so. Like the 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 releasing him from his vow. Um. And yet, Murray is right. Um, showing Celeborn to be willing to do what Galadriel says is not only an apt foreshadowing of Celeborn's entire future career, <laughs> but is also um. A kind of rebuke to Thingol, right? A preemptive rebuke to Thingol. Like, hey, Thingol, not only am I going to marry this girl, but you know what? I'm going to show you how you listen to your wife when she's wiser <laughs> than you, right? I'm going to set myself I up like as a little it. role model, right? Right. I'm going to do yeah. what you did not. Exactly. Or do what you are not going what to do. What you are not doing, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Okay, so... I kind of like the releasing him from his vow thing, but again, I'm not sure that really it applies in this. Like, he's going to still keep her confidence, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we should even show him doing that, right? Like, um, Single might push him, like, what do you know? Like, where, you know, even one of those things where he's like, how did you know? And, 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 and Kelborn's like, I'm not going to tell you anything more, but like, I'm just going to say like, you know, sometimes think, oh, people have good reasons for keeping things from you. Right. Like it's, it's like, you can trust me, you know, you can trust me, but I knew about this and have been keeping it from you because I had a really good reason to do that. Um, and it's not, it's not a betrayal. And Finrod is, you know, he's not betraying you personally either. Like he also had good reason. Um, so like, maybe like, I'm not saying you have to be all thumbs up on the kinslaying, but like, maybe you need to have a little better perspective on, uh, you know, what's going on here with your allies. Um, Brian has an interesting idea too. Um, you know, that's another angle there. Right. So Fingal could expect Kelleborn to reject Galadriel when he learns about the kinslaying. Now, does he know? So, all right, hang on. Preliminary question. Galadriel and Kelleborn, open secret, clandestine smooching. Uh, are they like, is this, are they an item? Is this known? Have mm. they carved their initials on trees around Doriath? Like, how public is, do they even know? Is, are they dating? Does Galadriel think they're dating? Like, I'm like, where, what, what, where is their relationship right now? Like, does everybody know about it? Is everybody? I had assumed that they were known. I feel like open secret. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Marie, they're definitely in an it's complicated situation. No, yeah, no, because yeah. okay, so like. How many times have we shown them? We showed them in episode five, right at the Marathoner thought, which was the time when we had her opening up to him for the first time right. and him promising that he would keep her secrets. That was six episodes ago. Um, we established there that he was getting her to open up. He is helping her to work through her issues and her own sense of guilt uh, and her own um, her own sort of. Uh, uh, hatred of herself, right? Um, there will come a point, obviously, at which they are going to move out of the friend zone, right, uh, and into an explicitly romantic relationship. But has that happened? I'm not sure that that has happened. Like, couldn't they still be in the, like, she relies upon him as friend and counselor and the two of them are like close and he's totally into her. But like, there's, I mean, again, they're kind of in a sort of a counselor situation, right? So he, he's not going to want to be like moving too quickly because that's creepy, right? (laughs) With the whole, like, I'm your counselor. You can tell me your secrets and it's totally not just because I'm trying to get you in the sack. So I think that it would go slowly um, but and, Marie, as Marie points out, we want them married by the final, so it needs to happen like nowish. Now, right. 
what so about my point is Galadriel now. doesn't know her own heart, but Melian yeah, does, and she it. says to Galadriel, yeah. "He's all on, about girl. it." Yeah, he's all about it, right? So his his response is to propose to her, and so when he proposed, he's his proposal is like the shift out of the friend zone, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And she makes the choice to be like, "Okay, yeah, right, no, I'm seeing this." I'm seeing this. Okay, there was a scene with them in episode seven. Um, Marie or Rhiannon, do either of you remember what we had them doing in episode seven? Were they were they smooching? I was going to say it seemed like we had it seemed time. like we had forwarded the relationship past that. Yeah, first. maybe so. Maybe we got. Is that you remember us talking about that, that it was kind of like an Aowen Faramir thing yeah, where it creeps up on her slowly? Kind of. Real. Yeah, creeping up on them slowly. I mean, they're elves, right? Come on, elves don't do whirlwind romance. They don't do whirlwind anything, right? Uh, so, like, the gradual, like, we've been friends for countless centuries, let's make it official kind of relationship is totally how elves would roll, right? Um, uh, okay, well, we had them in the woods together, inventing words and riding in a boat. Well, that's perfectly platonic. So, yeah, like, so we show them... They're continuing relationship. Okay, so we we saw that like she opens up to him first at the Marathon thought, and then two episodes later we show them being friends and being close. That's cool, right? But like, no smooching, right? We've got the we we still we still have like the you know the three foot rule right going on between the two of them. So now, right now, with exactly Trish as you said, the knowing her own mind thing, right at last, like that's what we show here. So um, we do have this. I mean, again, it can even be almost a kind of anticipation, right? Because I mean, of course, if you think about it. Uh, Faramir also was making the moves on a woman in a psychologically and emotionally exactly. fragile state of mind, right? That's right. Um, whose healing is made sort of official at the time when she uh, when she recognizes her own heart and says yes mm-hmm. to him, right? So we can we can we can even uh, we can even parallel that right uh, sort of moment, right? Um, between Celeborn and Galadriel. That's kind of fun, actually. Um, but they haven't had this conversation yet, I think. Right? Um, I think they haven't had this conversation yet. So I think they're still kind of in the friend zone. Though I don't doubt Melian certainly knows. Right? Oh, Melian is certainly watching them being like, oh, Melian's yeah, probably is, like, oh, my God, girl, would you just come on already? <laughs> right. <laughs> Only so many cryptic hints I can drop going on. Seriously. Uh, I mean, the guy's like a moon cap around you, for heaven's sake. Exactly. And you're never going to find another guy who's going to be this patient. You know, I could. You want somebody to stand by your side and, like, you know, look decorative while you rule realms (laughs) for the rest of your life? You're not going to find a better candidate than this one. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a good listener and everything. Man, this is great. He's sensitive. Um, so yeah. Anyway, great. So 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 perfect. Now, therefore, um, okay. So I'm thinking, do we want then to? I think that we don't want to do Gladriel and Kelborn together until the proposal scene, right? And at what point is he proposing? Is he proposing after he's told Caliborn he knows about the Kinslaying? Or before? Yes, single, yeah. After. Yeah, okay. After, yeah. I still think all, yeah. 
definitely. 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 After he tells Tingle. Um, in fact, this is going to be like the impetus for him to... Because so Tingle's reaction is likely to be something like, you know, you need to be sure about where your loyalties lie. And he's going to be like... Son. Son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to be like, okay, I know where my loyalties lie. Um, uh, go at real. Right? Like, right. you know, that's... This is, uh, this is it. Okay, so... Let's back up again. Finrod comes back, and he's coming back. Finrod's attitude. Finrod's attitude coming back. He's coming back. So on the one hand, he's sort of conciliatory in a diplomatic way, but he's not coming on hands and knees, right? He's going to come to Thingol, and he knows that Thingol was mad, and he understands why Thingol was mad. Um, but he has come back because he does not want to allow that relationship to die, right? He knows Thingol's not going to reach out to him anytime soon, right? Um, Thingol is pretty clear he can stay mad for a while, right? So Finrod is coming back. He is making the conciliatory gesture of visiting again and saying, hey, um, you know, uh, uh, granduncle, can we talk, right? Is it okay? Can we talk? Um, I think it's important that we talk. Right. And Thingol's like, okay, but I'm still mad. <laughs> right. Um, and Finrod is like, okay, but here's what I want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about, like, I had this vision, right? So, Omo, dream, right? I've got, I'm supposed to do this thing. Um, and his implicit message, I don't think we, you know, he's too diplomatic to actually cross the line to doing anything that sounds like berating Thingol, right? Or, or criticizing Thingol, but what his what his speech is going to boil down to is, Thingol, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm diplomatically providing you with an opportunity still to be a member of the team here, right? Like, we're all in this fight together against Morgoth, and so here's what I want to do. Because remember, Thingol's vision for his secret fortress is going to be that it's going to be part of the part of the defense organization, right? He's all about the leaguer. Right. He's all about, uh, you know, uh, walling um, Morgoth. And so he's got his forward base already. Right. On Tulsirian, which is still around. Thanks to the battle, which just defended it. And uh, so that's already kind of proved effective. Right. It was the bastion where the, you know, the, the armies of Morgoth stopped. Right. And they turned them back. So he's going to be like, hey, so that worked out. And that was great. Now, almost says build a secret base. So, hey, cool. So I'm going to build a secret base. I'd like it to be kind of a little further back. So, but, you know, but it, but it's going to be this like place of refuge and, and, a, you know, a base from which we can then operate and help to, you know, keep Morgoth in check. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Um, yes. Good, Marie. He's also flattering. And he's like, right. I see what you have here in Menegroth. I think this is great. I think, you know, so like, you know, Omo's dream has me thinking like, okay, you've got the thousand caves and it's great. But if I could find like maybe five to 600 caves that I could build a fortress in, it won't be as cool as Menegroth, but it would be great. Um, and part of the plan. And this would be, this would be awesome. Um, so he, again, what he is doing is he is gently diplomatically 
giving single the opportunity to re-engage to show that he's not just going to be petulant that he's not going to cut himself off and i i think that we show single be like single gets the message and I, I'm, th I'm thinking he's willing to do that we can't make single too bad too soon right um he is frosty i think in his reception of finrod showing that he's still upset and has not forgotten and especially, of course, and, and he's particularly upset with Finrod because he feels like he was personally betrayed. But he, I think he hears Finrod's message and he goes along and he's like, OK, I'll help. Let me think about it. And then he goes to Kelleborn. And when he's talking to Kelleborn, he's like, OK, Finrod wants help with this and whatever. And Kelleborn is like, yes, this is a good idea. I think we should cooperate with the Noldor. And um, I'm a. I'm all about joining together with a Noldor. I think joining with Noldor is a brilliant idea. Thingo, let's totally do that. And um, then the conversation comes around to, uh, you know, like the personal betrayal. Like the, the maybe he confesses to Kelborn. The thing I'm still struggling with is like person. It's not just the political thing, but it's not about trusting working with the Noldor in general. It's like Finrod in particular. I feel betrayed. Um, Kelleborn, I mean, I think at this point, Kelleborn would have to feel compelled to confess, right? That, I mean, it's because if he sits and listens to Thingol saying that and then doesn't say anything, yeah, Thingol that's true. Later, still wasn't yeah. telling him, uh, that I think makes it worse. But especially, um, especially if he, Kelleborn, can use this as like a teaching moment to say, look, I think again, like he can say, I understand how you feel, but I, I, I don't really think that Finrod was wrong to do what he did. He wasn't betraying you, right? He wasn't, um, you know, he was, um, he had his reasons and, uh, Oh, by the way, so did I. Um, so Thingol's response to this, he either could get super upset and yell at Kelleborn and be like, okay, no, I thought that Finrod had betrayed me, but you have seriously betrayed me. Or he could go in the other direction. Um, I kind of like Thingol being angry because then Kelleborn's like, I'm going to stick with Goadra. I'm going to double down and I'm going to stay true to Because Go Goadra would hear about this, right? If Galadriel heard that Thingol is really mad at Celeborn and feels betrayed by Celeborn, maybe their engagement conversation begins with her saying, hey, like, uh, I hear Thingol super mad at you, and it's my fault, right? He's mad at you, and the reason he's mad at you is because you didn't tell him, and you didn't tell him because you were keeping my confidence, right? So, like, I have come between you and your oldest friend. I have come between you and your king. Uh, and that's not right. So like, I'm going to go, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, so it's okay. Tell you can, and she releases him from his vow, right? You can tell him whatever you want to tell him, tell him it's my fault. Tell him I, you know, trapped you into it or whatever. It's okay. I'll leave and you can patch things up with Thingol and everything's going to be fine. And he's like, I like that. No. Yep. He's like, that's exactly not what's going to happen here. He's like, I don't want you to leave. Uh, and then he like has his like romantic engagement speech and we have swelling music and, and <laughs> elven smooches 
And then uh, he goes back to Thingol and he's like, P.S. I'm going to marry the Noldor. Isn't this awesome? Marrying a Noldor, it's happening. And this is, uh, this is cool. So how does Thingol... Again, I don't want to make Thingol just the, you know, jerk. Um, well, at some be... point, at what point do Galadriel and Celeborn leave Doriath? I mean, are, is that still a ways away? So are we? Are they staying in Doriath? After they get married, are they going to be staying? And it's obviously, if they do, that means Thingol is like has come around and said, okay, just don't, you know, you can stay here, but I don't want to see your faces. <laughs> Something. <laughs> you can stay. Just you know, stay in the next block, yeah, you can't you can't <laughs> live here anymore. You've got a yeah, caves number nine hundred and ninety six yeah, to nine hundred and ninety seven right. are yours. Way over on way that down side. there. Yeah. Um uh in fact we're gonna create a new cave one thousand and one which has a long lead tunnel. Yeah. Um uh You know, the, the career of Galadriel between now and the Second Age is pretty open, really. We've got some options here uh, that we can do. Um, right, Rihanna? We do have Galadriel still there before the Baron and Luthien story. That's right in the book um i have to say rihanna though as far as jobs to do in the story goes being the person to whom million says that is not the world's biggest job um that would be a job easy enough to reallocate you could tell somebody else that if we wanted to i'm not saying we never definitely do want to I mean, I don't think I really like the idea of them just moving out here. Um, on the one hand, it's a little bit cool. I mean, Brian, I kind of like the idea of there, there in fact being some kind of real cost. Like Celeborn, you know, there's a real cost to Celeborn uh, for marrying Galadriel. It's not just like Thingol is mad for a little bit, but then he's okay and everybody's happy after that. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, there could be a real cost. But I, I don't really like the whole there's a whole like we're being kicked out of Eden feel to that. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not sure I, I, I like that. Well, at all. you know, it could be more that the, uh, they stay, but the relationship with Thingol has changed so much that they then at some point choose to go. Eventually, They're not banished. Yeah. Yeah. They choose at some point. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, that it's not that Kelleborn just, and that's what Brian was suggesting before that, um, right. uh, you know, he, he just, like he does not uh, he, he does not have the confidence in Celeborn anymore that he did right before. exactly he's not in um, his councils anymore he's not, basically sidelined yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, but yeah boy that's going to be an ancient you know the like the future career by future I mean between now and the war of wrath <laughs> the future career and trajectory of Galadriel is going to be almost as interesting as the future career and trajectory of Sauron, both of whom vanish pretty quickly and are never heard from again until the Second Age in the published texts. Right. That's All right. So uh, uh, can't do that. So mm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
that's I think going to be very interesting in both of their cases. But yeah, no, we'll have them stay here. And but again, I don't want Thingol just to be a villain. I don't want him just to be a jerk. Um, I think that Celeborn needs to win him over. We can still do that thing about having there mm-hmm. be long-term consequences to their relationship, mm-hmm. but still have Celeborn and Goadriel basically win him over because he's going to help Finrod, right? He is going to remain sort of, I mean, he's never a good team player, but he's going to be part of the team, right? He's going to agree to help Finrod. Well, um, and could, Melian could have some influence there, couldn't she? I mean, I we know he doesn't listen to her a bunch, but I mean, she could be part of uh, this reconciliation, re- reconciling him to, you know, do we want to have a conversation between Melian and Thingol where she talks him around? So Thingol's so response... instead of it being Caliborn that talks him around, it's basically Melian that does, or...? Yeah, like, well, Caliborn has a talk with him. So, right, so right. Finrod and Thingol talk, and Thingol is gently like, Thingol, you should really... I understand that you're mad, but you should join the team, right? Help me out, please. Uh, and by doing so, rejoin the fight with the Nova. Be, show that you're willing to work with the Nova, right? Um, uh, and then, and Thingol's like, well, okay, I'll think about it, but I still don't like it, and I'm still kind of mad at you. So then he goes to Caliborn, and Caliborn, and they have this conversation, and then after that, he's like, and now I'm really mad at Caliborn. <laughs> Caliborn, people, you know, I, you know, I, I can't I'm trust anyone. One. Right, yeah, yeah, I can't trust anyone. So, so he goes back to Melian, right? So Caliborn goes to Galadriel, he goes back to Melian, and he goes back to Melian, and he's like, what am I supposed to do here? Right. Like, I, you know, it seems like I can't trust anybody. And basically I would think that her message to him would be something like both Celeborn and Finrod, that neither one of them betrayed you. Like, you know, they, they right. both of them are thinking, like they're doing what you're not. That is, they are thinking first of the big picture. They are mm-hmm. thinking of the elves joining together in this war against Morgoth. Um, even though Caliborn had a little personal agenda in addition, but nevertheless, he's like working with the night. He's working closely with the Nobo, right? Um, and so anyway, so she, she, but I think point out to him that it is, it is, it is good for them to work with the Noldor for him merely to retain a grudge and say, no, and she could also perhaps be the one to point out to him that the Noldor have by and large complied with the ban. Fingolfin said they're going to do it, right? Um, and she could ask him something like, what more do you want? Right. You know, they cannot undo what they did. What more from them do you want? What more is it reasonable for you to ask? And if it's not reasonable for you to ask them to do more, you've said your continuing to work with them is, you know, to not be their enemies is conditional upon their complying with your not 100% reasonable ban. They've done that. Right. What do you want, Thingol? Right? Um, work with your grandnephew. Uh, uh, and as for Galadriel and Celeborn, you know, um, and maybe there she understands, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. He won't tell. Celeborn won't even explain to Thingol why he didn't tell him because he's going to keep Galadriel's confidence, right? He's not going to, like, mention Galadriel's name. Like, yeah, Thingol yeah. going to be like, how how did you find out about it? Why didn't you tell me? And he's going to be like, ah, can't tell you either one of those things. I just knew. I, I just thought it's important that you know that I knew and I had reason to keep silence. And just like 
uh, Finrod did. Um, uh, and so, and so she's going to be like, um, yeah, uh, honey, uh, for real, like you haven't noticed this, like you can't make a shrewd guess as to where Caliborn learned this and like why exactly he's keeping this secret. Um, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, uh, and then, of course, like they're going to get engaged and come in, and Thingol's going to be like, "Oh, okay, now I, of course, my wife was right again." Um, but he'll, yeah. he'll immediately forget that fact right after he remembers it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Having him learn that listening to his wife is good is is a good thing for us to show. I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because uh, then it makes it the more egregious when he doesn't. Um, right. Yeah. Um, I like that. I like that. I like that direction. So that shape, I think, works. Um, now, Caliborn's sister, the Green Elf. I know folks were wondering about how Caliborn's sister, the Green Elf, will react to the engagement. Um, what were you guys thinking about this? First of all, is she there? And if she's there, why is she there? Isn't she an Osirian? you know, participating in the, you know, like being the executive officer of the week in the anarcho-syndicalist commune that is the Green Elves of Osirian. <laughs> um, he was at the Marathada side. Yeah, that was ages ago. That was episode five, right? And probably what, hundreds, of, hundreds of years ago. <laughs> right. I'm not saying she can't be there. I have no, like, objection to her being there. I was trying to figure out why she's there. Um, I mean, has she attached herself to Thingol's court? If so, I would think if she's off on a Syrian, because I'm, I actually like the idea. I think it was Marie said earlier that that's someplace they could go. Like when right. Galadriel and Celeborn leave, they go to his sister in a Syrian. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're like, hey, let's go live with the Green Elves. They're less judgy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. Um, right. Well, okay. So, how do we think she's gonna see? I don't know. Maybe it's just. Maybe it's just, I don't know, like, kind of, maybe it's because I live in New Hampshire, and so I sort of picture the Green Elves that, like, they live in Vermont, you know? And so I imagine <laughs> the Green Elves as Vermonters, like, really laid back and, like, wearing Birkenstocks and smoking just a little bit of weed. Um, so, like, I have a hard time imagining his sister being super upset about it. I think that, like, or that she'd be that the one who's about it, really, right? Yeah, because she's I mean, got her own people be... and her own thing going on. I think she'd be okay. I mean, I know that she'd be close in a sense. I mean, she she's a Teleri also, right? So, I mean, it's not like the Kinslang, like the Green Elves are like, oh, Kinslang, we don't care. I mean, they'll care, but um, but I don't know. I have the whole, like, you know, the thing that does it for me, it's it's the way the Green Elves don't take another king after Denethor, right? Then they have no leader. Like this, that, that whole issue, which is, of course, like, make a list of the things we know for sure about the Green Elves of Assyrian, and it's a short <laughs> list, right? I mean, post-death of Denethor, um, I mean, we don't know all that many things, and one of the only things we know about them is that they never really take a leader. They just seem kind of, you know, they just seem kind of um, a little free-flowing. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, right, Rihanna is reminding me that she's in the frame. Right. She is in the frame. We had her showing up in the frame. Oh, she could um, mention something about in the frame. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, if you want to have her have a reaction or so she'd be relating it basically uh, yeah, yeah. later. 
Um, yeah. Well, so here's the issue. If she's there, then her reaction, of course, is can be poised against Thingles, and we needed. I feel like we need an excuse for her to be there. There's no reason she couldn't hang out with them for a while, and uh, you know, I mean, they're elves, so hanging out in Doria for a few centuries on your way back home is no big thing. Um, but I'm just wondering, with all the other stuff we've got going on in this episode, do we really need her to be in this episode? Yeah. Other than maybe in the frame. And if she's not there, she's not on the spot. I mean, she'll hear about it often on Syrian whenever they get around to informing her by whatever mechanism they use. Um, uh, it won't be immediately. In fact, I have an awesome idea. Oh, this is classic. Okay, okay. So they send a message to Kelleborn's sister by an ant who is wandering by. <laughs> So later, like halfway through season five, we show Kelvin's sister and finally getting to the end of telling the news. Yes, I love it. Well, we have a, well, we have occasional interludes where we show the end, like on its yeah, journey. Going, going. <laughs> yeah, several episodes, like episode two of season five, we have this end talking to Kelborn's sister, and the subtitle is like, "I have news." Like, and now for my for my exciting news. <laughs> Come on, that is comedy gold right there. Oh, yeah. You can make Treebeard himself could I'm give the news. I'm Why not? End. Oh, an end messenger. That is the best oh, yeah, idea I've had in a long awesome. time. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, Marie, I agree. They they could go themselves. Yeah. So, like, honeymoon in Assyrian. Why not? Like, how lovely, right? Uh, I would go to Assyrian for my honeymoon. Oh, I would, boy. Yeah, not yeah. You know, laid back, relaxed, yeah, no stress. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of blows is, my end messenger plan. But... <laughs> is a is is the end messenger like the the Middle Earth equivalent of the like invitation where you. you know... <laughs> You send you send the invitation via ant, knowing that. Right. So by the time the invitation is conveyed, the thing happened 150 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee you'll not I show up. If we don't use it now, we need to keep it in our back pocket. <laughs> oh man, you know? somebody's got to send something by by ant messenger. <laughs> oh, that is too wonderful. Um, yeah, yeah. No, Marie, I agree. I mean, Treebeard. Treebeard is, is is there's no reason he can't get to know Galadriel and Celeborn and and I kind of like the idea. Um, somebody suggested, yeah, Rhiannon was suggesting that Galadriel and Celeborn live with the Green Elves so that when Baron and Luthien get down there in Assyrian, Galadriel and Celeborn mm -hmm. are there too. You know, so post resurrection, uh, Luthien and Baron live with uh, with. Uh, Gladriel and, and uh, maybe California. yeah, so it sort of becomes the place where you know, odd couples go to live. <laughs> odd couples, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's the retreat for socially uh, for the outcast lovers who cross social boundaries, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, that's it. To our uh, to our, uh, our 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 uh, unconventional lovers commune in Assyria, right? Because <laughs> they green elves will accept you no matter what, right? They're totally. 
Like it's uh, cool, Lucy, man. Exactly cool. like Vermont. Anyway, yeah, no, this is great. <laughs> exactly um, like Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. I've got it. Um, uh, okay. okay, so, so one thing yeah. one thing about Thingle I wanted to toss out there. Um, okay. Because I, I I I think I I share your your feeling that um, on the one hand uh, I I think Celeborn and Gladriel's sort of character growth are served by Thingol being like being in opposition yeah. and giving them an opportunity to to stand up to him, but I also kind of don't want like stereotype like there's just gonna be so many moments where Thingol's a jerk. Yes. It's like, is this just like one more moment? So I was thinking maybe this time he doesn't have to be happy, uh, but maybe he could be like more rather than angry, he could be wounded or sad or hurt in some way, feeling betrayed. And and so Certainly maybe hurt. maybe he doesn't like fly off the handle, but maybe he kind of just withdraws from Celeborn. Right. right. Mm. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rather than him. Because, yes, you're right. We don't want to make him. He's going to be upset with yes. Luthien and Baron, right? So we don't, yes. yeah, we don't want him just to be the, like, guy who's just never happy with anybody and who's always yelling. The Ralph um, Crampton of, of Doria. <laughs> Ralph Crampton of Doria. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, I like that, that he's, he's just sort of stunned and hurt and, and that, and that would help with, uh, he goes to Melian scene, right? Um, because yep. you know, then he just goes to Melian and is like, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what to do. And then she's just like, okay, you know, yeah. And then, by the way, I, I oh, go ahead. I was gonna say that that, that also changes. If she's comforting him, that's a little bit yeah. better than him yeah. being mad and her coming to him and basically saying, okay, Thingo, it's time to put your big boy pants on and yeah. act like a real king, right? Um, and not that she wouldn't say that, but, um, but again, better for better for their relationship not to be like that all the time. Also, right. Uh, by the way, I would say that I guess we have, have, as far as set locations are concerned, we have our set location for Assyrian, then, right? Vermont, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and well, the only problem is uh, it would be it's going to be hard to find a landscape in Vermont that doesn't have like solar panels and oh. uh, and uh, wind turbines. But well, we, I'm sure we could probably find something. We could always just airbrush them out. Yeah, exactly. We we may have to, but um, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, that's good. I like that. I like that, Dave. I think that's a that's a good addition. And again, and and I especially like the impact that that has on the Melian uh, Thingol conversation. If she is comforting him, because we can make it a tender moment for the two of them as well. Mm -hmm. You know, show them not as king and queen, but as man and wife, and that then prepares us. So then. When Celeborn and Galadriel comes in, and Celeborn's like, "Thingo, I know you're upset and uh, and stuff, but um, um, Galadriel and I are engaged. Like, we're going to be married." And what? And Thingol surprises him by being like, "Well, okay, like that's fine, right?" And he accepts it, and everybody sort of celebrates, and Finrod is super happy. And um, uh, actually, and that doesn't make more sense because the marriage. That takes place next episode is going to be kind of a like a a, a big you know, deal. Yes. keystone of the episode. Yes. Yeah, you exactly. want to be behind it. Yeah, yeah, we don't want him to have to elope. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't to want Australia. him to have to Assyrian. Yeah, to Assyrian, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. So, um, uh, yeah, no, that works. 
that works. Um, good. I'm thinking we don't, with all these things we've been talking about, we don't have time to begin construction in this episode. I think construction needs to wait till episode 12. Uh, for either Gondolin or Nargothron. Um, because we're not even getting to, we, we haven't even gotten to Nargothron. We've just established that, like, he's gonna, he's gonna right. get help, right? Um, and he's gonna subcontract that out anyway. I mean, he's gonna, he's gonna, you know, so uh, Thingol's answer to Finrod's request is gonna be going to Mablung and being like, hey, aren't you friends with that dwarf guy, right? That dwarf ambassador who's been hanging out here for quite some time, right? Um, maybe he could help. Right? Does he? I mean, the dwarves helped helped us to find Menegroth. Maybe they could help us again. Uh, ask him if he has any suggestions. Right, and that's what then starts off the uh, Norn and um, uh, Petty Dwarves um, uh, subplot, which is gonna which is gonna happen yeah, there in episode, episode right. uh, in episode twelve. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good idea. Um, yeah, and, and and Brian, I agree. We, that that sets us up to show. Um, distance as you say between Thingol and Celeborn afterwards without you know just again making Thingol look like he's in a snit right um he's forgiven Celeborn but like their relationship isn't the same anymore like it's been changed um and neither one of them really can kind of totally get over that fact um yeah yeah no I think that's a that's a very sensible way to sort of show that proceeding without Thingol becoming too uh, one-dimensional there. Okay, cool. Well, it's late. Um, let us glimp. Let's just, I'm, I want to glance at where we're going in episode 12, and then we'll start with that next time, right? Um, so issues, things that we're, we're going to be following up from today's episode, uh, th that is from episode 12, which we've been discussing, Arathel's farewell tour. So Arathel's going to be deciding whether or not she, she's going to get the pitch from Turgon and she's got to decide whether she wants to go. And so the uh, suggestion was that she travels around as part of her decision process, right? Um, so she does her farewell tour. I really like that idea. Uh, we're going to show Captive Noldor and Angband. We're going to show the building of Nar Nargothrond and Gondolin. That's got to happen there. And that involves, of course, centrally those uh, petty dwarves uh, that petty dwarf uh, plot line that we talked about way way back and then we're going to look at the building of gondolin um we're going to have the uh, almost got to appear to turk because turgan's going to be getting by the end of episode 12 things are going to be pretty close to ready right it's almost moving day uh for turgan and the elves of Nevrost, so almost going to appear and give him the armor uh, uh specs and stuff and tell him to leave it um and uh, then we're going to get, again, you know, now he's got to do the pitch to everybody and everyone in Nevrost is going to say, like, yeah, let's sneak away. Aradel's going to make her decision to go along with him, right? Um, and, uh, and then maybe some other, uh, some other Angband stuff. So, so you can see how this is all following on, uh, going to follow very closely on what we've been establishing here in episode 12. And then, of course, we get, uh, uh, we get to the final episode, episode 13. Uh, when Glowering is going to come out and disrupt things. So, okay. Excellent. Good work. Yeah, I think that was good. I think we made a lot of excellent mm -hmm. progress here today. I know we only got, got through, through one episode, but that was that was some good 50 stuff. 50% of it. what we set out to. Hey, it's all Not good. Bad. I actually think that, like, we set up a lot of what's going to happen there in episode I was 12. just going to say that. That is I true. We did a lot of setting up, yeah. We actually did spend a lot of time talking about stuff that we ultimately didn't get to, so... 
Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's going to, like, figuring out what Arathel is going to be doing in the whole decision process with Gondolin, we've already laid the foundation for that. So, yeah, episode 12, I think, is going to fly by next time. Absolutely. Excellent conversation. Yeah, very good. Absolutely. Fun as always. So, in our next session, we are going to shoot for doing episode 12 and 13 to finish our episode <laughs> discussions for season four. That is our goal. And stop laughing at me. <laughs> Sorry. <That's our> goal. <laughs> I was just thinking I should I should do a betting pool. Maybe I'll open yeah, a betting pool no, thread no, on we'll this. See. We'll see. Um, okay. So that's going to be next time. And next time is going to be next week uh, on the 19th of September. Um that gets us back on our on our old back schedule. On our, right? on our yeah. old schedule, exactly, exactly. So, um, yep. Okay, great. So we're going to be discuss- We're going to get to the final episode. Then we're going to be looking towards uh, the postseason. Um, so just a, a reminder in the in the postseason, uh, you know, the the so the the, the post production episodes. What we like to do is review the things that people have submitted, artwork people have drawn, set designs and suggestions, maps, location photos. Um, we're going we're gonna to come back to the casting and look at suggestions for uh, actors and actresses to play the parts that we discussed earlier on. Um, so all that stuff is the stuff that we're going to be, we're going to be talking about Phil's music that he's, uh, that he's doing. Um, so remember, if you, if you would like to be involved in any of that stuff, if you'd like to submit any suggestions or uh, any work that you have done or have been thinking about doing, now is totally the time. Uh, go to our discussion boards and you'll find places to, uh, uh, to post those things. Also, the next script discussion, they're doing a script discussion for this very episode that we discussed, and that's going to be on Friday night, September 27th uh, at 7 p.m. So people are invited uh, to attend the script discussion where we do outlines and scripts for the uh, uh, for the actual stuff that, that we are laying out here for them and see if it actually can work when you really sit down with it. Um, and that information and, is also on the message board. So. Yeah, if you want, if you want to, like the specific links and stuff for attending those, uh, you can get them from the discussion. Okay, very good. Thanks everybody for joining us, and I say as always, thanks for listening. Godspeed. <laughs>